You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. Apologies for those of you who joined us on the original stream. Not sure what was going on there. I was getting a lot of lag coming back at my end. The screen was stuttering and I was worried that it was coming through to you guys as well. Um, and of course, we, we always do our best to try and produce the best quality show possible. I know we don't always manage it um, in terms of the technical stuff, but uh, yeah, just wanted to, to make sure that at least from my end, everything was looking all good, um, all clear and uh, was audible for you guys. So we're back and we're going to be looking ahead on this programme to Arsenal's trip to Brighton and Hove Albion in the Premier League. Now, of course, not a place that we've had uh, happy memories in recent times. It was a uh, one of the probably the worst games that Arsenal played, I would say, after the restart at the back end of last season. It was a game that ultimately, I think, contributed largely to Matteo Genduzzi being frozen out of the picture at Arsenal and essentially being moved on uh, out on loan to Hertha Berlin, where he currently plays his football. Brighton are uh, sort of very close to us in the Premier League table at the moment. We're going to come on to look at all of that. We're going to look at the two seasons so far. We're going to look at uh, the team selection uh, issues that Mikel Arteta has ahead of this one. And uh, obviously we haven't had a full update from the club at the time of recording this, but we're pretty um, sure that we know what that update is going to be. Um, so we're going to try and go with that. I'd love to hear from you guys in the live chat as well. Feel free to get your comments, your questions in. Got a few lovely comments from uh, Twitter yesterday uh, as well. So we'll go through some of those as well. But um, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, be sure to smash the like button. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, big thank you to everybody who's wished me well over the last few days. I am feeling 99% better today. Um, feel a lot, lot better. I know I don't look yet. I still look like I'm at death's door, but um, feeling a lot, lot better. Uh, got a slight cough, but it's manageable. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll just take it on the chin. We'll be grateful that we're feeling better and we move forward. Um, right. Let's uh, begin by uh, looking at the uh, the record of the two teams uh, so far uh, in the Premier League this season. Uh, the form guide, it doesn't read great for either side, actually. Arsenal with one win in their last six. Of course, that win came in the home fixture against Chelsea. Uh, on Boxing Day. Prior to that, we lost at Everton. Uh, we lost at home to Burnley. We lost at Spurs. And sandwiched in between there was a draw at home to Southampton, a game in which Arsenal went down to 10 men. And um, we're probably pretty pleased by the end of it, actually, to have got out of it with a point. Sign of where we are, though, isn't it? That Arsenal happy with a draw at home to Southampton. No disrespect to them whatsoever. But it's a club that it, based on sort of Premier League tradition, based on Premier League history, that we should really be beaten. Um, so the fact that we were kind of holding on for a draw shows exactly where we were at that time. And and and, and I'm not going to say we've completely turned the corner. We've just won victory. Um, but obviously that victory coming against a side like Chelsea should, you'd think, come as a massive, massive boost. 
Brighton and Hove Albion come into this one off the back of a draw at West Ham United, a 2-2 draw. And it's a draw that they would have been very, very disappointed with. I don't know if anybody saw the game, but having watched it, I thought Brighton actually probably deserved a lot more than just a point. They were good value for all three points, in my opinion. And they'll be so disappointed with the nature of the goals, particularly the the second equaliser that they conceded because Graham Potter's side are in desperate need of points as well. And um, to concede an equaliser the way they did with some really slack defending from a set piece will have will have really hurt them and, uh, and been a real disappointment to the Brighton boss. They're on a run, actually, of, of of three successive draws. They've drawn with West Ham, as I just mentioned. They drew at home to Sheffield United the week before, and they drew at Fulham the week before that. Um, prior to that, though, they had been beaten away at Leicester, comfortably, actually, 3-0, uh, and they'd been beaten at home by Southampton. They currently sit in 16th place in the Premier League, just a point behind Arsenal. Arsenal have won five games, though, and Brighton have won just two Um so, you know, there is a, a, a quite a significant difference in that in terms of draws as well. Uh, Brighton have managed seven, Arsenal just two. Brighton have lost six times, Arsenal have lost eight times. But obviously, Arsenal picking up three more wins than Brighton means that we are ahead of them in the Premier League table. Both sides have managed three clean sheets. Brighton actually averaging more clear chances per match uh, in terms of what they're creating. Their biggest win was a 3-0 win at Newcastle. Our biggest win was a 3-0 win at Fulham. Uh, worst defeat is the same as well. So they lost 3-0 at Leicester. We lost 3-0 at home to Aston Villa. In terms of goals in the Premier League, where Neil Mopai leads the race in terms of these two sides, he's got five. Alexander Lacazette is in second with four. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who may or may not uh, start the game, uh, tomorrow is uh, in third place with three. In terms of assists, you'll probably be surprised to know this, but in terms of the two sides, Willian leads the way with three. Hector Bellerin and Pascal Grosser in joint second with two. And all of Willian's came, didn't they, in that opening game of the season at Fulham. Tells you all you need to know about his form since then. Um, let's uh, Let's have a look at sort of the recent record between the two sides. Uh, Arsenal lost at the Amex Stadium in June, as I've already mentioned, after the restart, a game in which Matteo Genduzzi took uh, centre stage, uh, given that row he had with Neil Mope and all the sort of aftermath of that. Um, And they also beat us at the Emirates Stadium too. Uh, They beat us by two goals to one, another disappointing result. The season before, we managed two draws against Brighton and we lost uh, at the back end of the 2017-18 season uh, at the Amex Stadium by two goals to one. So we've played six times uh, against Brighton in the Premier League. Brighton have won three of those. Arsenal have won just one and there have been two draws between the two sides. So a bit of a, a bogey team, um, Brighton and Hove Albion, which again, you know, when you look at and again, no disrespect to Brighton and Hove Albion, but when you look at the size of the club, the stature of the club, the fact that they've not been in the Premier League for that long, you look at these kind of records and you can't help but be disappointed by them and, and think that they make worrying reading. So definitely um, got to improve on that. Definitely got to do better. And if we want to get back uh, somewhere closer to where we need to be, where we feel that as a football club we deserve to be, then this is the type of fixture that Arsenal need to win. Um, you know, we we need to turn a corner. We need to start picking up points against against the likes of Brighton and then West Brom, uh, who come up after us uh, after Brighton. Sorry, West Brom, who come into it 
fresh off the back of a a good point at Anfield. They Sam Allardyce, Jurgen Klopp. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it's a strange one this one because I've seen quite a bit of Brighton actually this season, probably more than I should have, and I, I don't know why. It's just been a bit of a coincidence that I've managed to turn on uh, Brighton games and watch them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, what I've always said coming away from watching Brighton games is that their performance was better than what the result was, i.e. the performance was better than what they came away with. And that's been true of Brighton, I think, quite often this season. And I feel a little bit sorry for Graham Potter in that sense, because I think he is doing a good job at Brighton. I think he is. He has got them playing in a certain way. Some people would argue that it's not the right way when you're a club like Brighton and that you need to uh, play in a different way and, and abandon sort of some of your principles in order to try and close that level or close that gap in quality between yourselves and some of the sides above you. But I disagree. I actually have a lot of admiration for for managers like Graham Potter, who like to play football the right way and will try and do so, even if they don't necessarily have the most talented of squads. So obviously there's been a little bit of a rivalry between Arsenal and Brighton in recent times that's formed. And that rivalry is formed off the back of us being shit more than anything. You know, it's, it's more a case of Arsenal not being good, Arsenal not being at the races and Brighton have kind of taken advantage of that than anything else. It's not a deep running rivalry. It's not one that's been around for years and years and years. Um, and it's not one I'm particularly bothered about. It is just simply a case of Arsenal haven't been at the races for a while now and Brighton have taken advantage of us um, on multiple occasions. And and so, yeah, I mean, for me, this is not a, a bigger game than any other game. It's just a standard Premier League game and one that Arsenal need to pick up points in because, as we've said, um, you know, we've got a, a couple of games now that you look at and you think, we should be taking some points and we need to start taking some points if we're going to climb up the Premier League table because, you know, yes, it's not the end of the world. We're not a million miles away from that top six, but like in terms of points, but in terms of places we are and we're not going to climb up those places. We're not going to start making progress unless we start winning some football matches and Mikel Arteta keeps talking about it. Arsenal fans keep talking about it. The need to win football matches right now is absolutely huge. And we simply haven't got more time to mess around with. You know, it's it's got to happen now. Um, it's really got to happen now. And and Brighton, I think, represents an opportunity for us to do that, for us to, to take some points. And then the game against West Brom as well. They're both away games and they won't be easy. Both teams fighting for their lives. But for me, they are opportunities and you'd rather be playing those than the likes of Manchester United, the likes of Everton, the likes of Manchester City, Liverpool at the moment. So we've got to take advantage um, of those situations and try and get ourselves uh, as close uh, to where we need to be as possible sooner rather than later. Let's have a quick look at the starting lineup and what Mikel Arteta may go with. I mean, Mikel Arteta made some some surprising changes, in my opinion, for the game against Chelsea. Fortunately for us, it paid off. I thought the team performed really, really well and there were some really outstanding performances. But if we go through that team and try and sort of understand maybe some changes that we might see, um, given that this game comes, you know, we played on Saturday. We're now playing, was it Saturday? I've lost track of the days. Yeah, Saturday was Boxing Day, yeah. Uh, you know, given that we played on Saturday and given that there's a quick turnaround for this one, I think Leno continues in goal. Um, I think Bellerin probably continues at right back. I thought he had a good game, actually. Um, 
against Chelsea. Captain the side, I thought, did very, very well. Uh, it's not clear yet if David Lewis and, and William will be back in the squad. Of course, those two were left out due to illness. Um, it was it was confirmed that they both tested negative for COVID-19. But of course, there are protocols in place that when a player is not feeling well, um, that they need to they need to remain uh, away from the camp for a little bit. So I don't know how long that protocol says. I don't know how long they'll be away from the squad for. Um, but there have been a lot of rumbles about those two and maybe their attitudes and, um, you know, the kind of relationship with, with Mikel Arteta. So perhaps actually it's been, it was a bit of a positive not having them in the group and not having them on the squad, uh, in the squad on Saturday. Some will argue that it weakens us. I would argue that if there is an issue behind the scenes, then it actually probably worked out to be a good thing. Um, PW in the comments says faked illness could be. Um, as I said, I've, I've not got any information on that, that, that says otherwise. Um, but like I said, I feel like their absence actually allowed some of the new blood to get in, particularly in those forward positions, because let's have it right. You know, had William been fit, I think we we're all pretty sure that Mikel would have picked him as he, as he tends to do. Um, and I don't think that would have been particularly helpful. Gabriel will we'll miss the game. There's no doubt about that. Gabriel has been around somebody who's tested positive for COVID. So there's going to be no Gabriel for the game against Brighton. Uh, and I assume that that means Rob Holding will continue at centre-back. Now, the, the question mark is around the other centre-back position, in my opinion. Is David Lewis available? Does he come back in? Is Mustafi an option? And the reason I say that is because Pablo Marie has been out for a very, very long time. Has he got another 90 minutes in his legs uh, so quickly after that game on Boxing Day? I'm not 100% sure about that. I thought he did okay against Chelsea. Um, I thought he had a few moments that he'd probably rather forget. Um, but, you know, one of them giving away that penalty. Uh, but I, I thought he did okay, Pablo Marie. I think he reads the game quite well. I think we all understand that Pablo Marie lacks a little bit of pace, probably a little bit of sharpness uh, in terms of his mobility across the grass. Um, you know, Graham says in the comments that Marie looked a bit dodgy, didn't he? I, yeah, I thought that, like I said, I thought he did okay for the most part, but I thought there were moments uh, where you looked at him and you just kind of had your head in your hands and you're thinking, Jesus, um, that's the last thing we need is another dodgy centre-back. But I, I do question whether he's got the legs, having been out for so long, having played so very little football lately, to play another game so quickly and whether Mikel Arteta will take that into consideration uh, remains to be seen. I'm not sure. But watch this space on that one because I'm not 100% certain that Marie will keep his place uh, in the in the team. Kieran Tierney will continue at left-back, I'm pretty sure of that. In the middle of the park, it was Granit Xhaka and Mohamed Elneny with Bukayo uh, Saka operating from the left. Smith Rowe in a number 10 sort of position. Martinelli from one flank, um, from the other flank, sorry, and Lacazette through the middle again, does he stick with the midfield? You know, Danny Ceballos is a real shout for me as someone who, who could come into the team. I don't think Danny Ceballos has been great this season. I think his form has been very hot and cold and it's probably why he can't seem to nail a place down and why Mikel keeps chopping and changing it. But Granit Xhaka, I thought, was brilliant against Chelsea. Scored a brilliant goal as well. A goal that proved massive for us um, and in terms of the direction in which the game went. So, I do probably expect Granit Xhaka to play. He's somebody who has shown 
that he's uh, normally fit and available when called upon. Uh, obviously served that suspension as well, which will mean he's played a lot less football than some of the others uh, over the festive period. And so he probably is in with a good shout of starting the game as well. Emil Smith-Rowe, another one for whom fitness has been a real, real problem this season. I've seen lots of Arsenal fans after watching his performance against Chelsea coming out and saying, well, why didn't Emil Smith-Rowe play earlier? We were so clearly desperate for a creative midfielder. Why hasn't he turned to Smith-Rowe earlier? Smith-Rowe has had a number of fitness issues this season. And that is why I believe that Mikel uh, hasn't turned to him earlier in the season. But again, like Pablo Marie's not played a lot of football of late, um, not at the very, very top level anyway. And so is it too soon for him? to play again. Look, I, I feel like if Mikel makes the changes and I think he probably will make some changes, I don't expect him to, to play the same 11 that played against Chelsea. I'd be very surprised if he did that, but it does feel very much like if he does make changes, people are going to get on his back. The point is, this is a very, very difficult period. Um, you'll see even the top, top teams, even the likes of Liverpool and others making changes if they feel they need to in terms of fitness uh, yes, they have maybe better squads than us. And you've got to take that into account, of course. But if Mikel makes changes, I think it will be because of fitness issues um, rather than anything else. Not because he doesn't think that that team performed against Chelsea and not because he doesn't want to stick with a winning team. And and so I just urge Arsenal fans to think about that when kind of judging the team that Mikel is going to pick um, at the weekend, because I I say at the weekend, on Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, by the time you guys are getting this, because I genuinely feel that if he does make changes, um, it is going to be because he is concerned about the fitness of certain players uh, rather than anything else. Um, in terms of the forward line, that's where there's more interesting questions. Again, Gabriel Martinelli, and I feel like I'm been a bit of a broken record on this episode, but Gabriel Martinelli is another player. Um, uh, Gabriel Martinelli is another player who has been out for a long time and whose fitness must be managed. It, it must be managed. It's as simple as that. Um, and does he start another Premier League game? I, I don't know. Um, in an ideal world, you'd like to say that he does because he's performed really, really well. We managed to take him off after around about 70 minutes the other day, which was, of course, helpful um, and and protected him a little bit. But again, there'll be question marks around him. There'll be question marks around Alexander, uh, sorry, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who was only fit enough to, start, uh, to be on the bench the other day. So there are lots of question marks around this Arsenal squad right now with regards to fitness, conditioning. And so if we see changes, I'm coming back to that point, but if you see a number of changes, and you're sitting there scratching your head and you're thinking, why is Mikel changing a winning team? Actually, the likelihood is, is because of those fitness and conditioning issues. So I would urge you to, to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I'm sure that Mikel would love to pick the same starting eleven, but he's got to manage this period. It's a really difficult period, um, as I think we can all agree. And so I think he's got to do the right thing in terms of managing those players and looking at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that Arsenal need to put um, some consistent performances together over a period of time in order for us to get back to where we need to be, uh, as opposed to just pulling one result out of the bag here and there. Arsenal need to put a run together. And that's the only way that Arsenal are going to start climbing up the Premier League table. And if he needs to protect certain players whose fitness 
has not been where it needs to be or who have had injury problems of late, uh, then I think he has to do that. I think that's the sensible approach. And I, for one, will not be getting on Mikel's back if fitness um, and conditioning means that he does make a number of changes, despite the good performance and the good result that came off the back of um, his team selection against Chelsea. So that's kind of my take on that. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying in the live chat. Don't forget, if you want to drop your questions in there, uh, please do so. And I'll come to as many of those as I can uh, within the next 10 minutes or so before we wrap up uh, this preview edition of the podcast. I'll also give you guys my prediction. Actually, you know what? Let me give you my prediction now because I feel like I might forget otherwise. Um, prediction, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a score draw, 1-1 one, one draw. Um, probably sounds a little bit pessimistic given that we've just beaten Chelsea, but I still feel like this team, you know, for all the excitement around the Chelsea win and, and the, the positives that came off the back of that and what we saw, I still feel like Arsenal are not where they need to be. I still feel like when you're so heavily reliant on young players like we, we're urging Mikel to be now, you're still going to get inconsistencies in their displays. And I think that, as I've said earlier on, I think Brighton, have performed to a better level than their results so far this season suggest. So don't think it's going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brighton hold us to a draw uh, at the Amex Stadium uh, on Tuesday. That's my prediction. So I'm going to go with the 1-1 draw. Let me know yours in the chat as well. And I'll come to some of those too uh, before we wrap up. Alex McCarthy says, Harry, do you think that Willian and Kia negotiated that Willian gets played over 20 games as part of his contract? Hence why he gets played all the time. I would bloody hope that's not the case, Alex. Um, but uh, up to my understanding, you don't really get, you know, there may be something in there that says he gets paid a certain amount of money if he hits a certain amount of games. Um, but I don't think there would be something that's just pure and simply dictating the fact to Mikel Arteta that he has to pick him over 20 times. I think there might be something in there, and I think you make a good point, whereby if he does trigger that sort of marker, Arsenal would need to pay him a sum or he would be entitled to a bonus or whatever. But I don't think there would be something just black and white that suggests that Mikel has to pick him over 20 times. If that is the case, and, and like I said, I don't think it is, but if it is, that is shocking management from the football club. You know, you can't put yourself in a position where you're being dictated to, uh, where your team selections are being dictated by contract stipulations. That's absolute madness. But, you know, there might well be something in there, Alex, that suggests he gets, um, or that stipulates he gets a bonus uh, if um, if he plays a certain amount of games throughout the course of the season. Um, Luke Howard says, why do you think he picks Willian so much, even though he doesn't perform? I think Mikel worries about the youth factor. I do. Um, I think Mikel feels like experience is still the way to go um, overall. And I think that if he doesn't think that it's all about going for just pure experience, then he probably feels like he still needs a fair amount of it in the side to help the youngsters through um, through this difficult period. And I, I don't think you can rely solely on young kids. I've said that uh, throughout the course of the season. I think it's always been um, a, a bit of a grey area. You know, people say, oh, just change the whole team, Mikel, and it's fine. It's not that simple. Um, with, with young players comes inconsistency. And I feel like Mikel still feels he needs to get the blend right between experience. And, and, and let's, let's, let's be honest, you know, 
you know, when you look at our alternative options in those wide positions, Nicolas Pepe hasn't exactly set the world on fire. Um, Reese Nelson's done all right at times, but he keeps picking up little niggles. Martinelli hasn't been available up until this point. Um, so that's probably why William got more game time than than he deserves in many people's eyes. But, uh, you know, that's not a justification for it. But I, what I would say is that for all the criticism Mikel's received about playing him as often as he has, you can't hand on heart sit there and say that the others have performed well and they're just being overlooked due to pure favouritism. And that's why William's getting picked ahead of him. None of them have performed. So it's it's never been a, an easy decision, has it, by by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, let's see what else, uh, we've got here. A couple on, um, Pablo Marie. Omar says Marie was, was decent the other day, but he's so slow, which worries me. Yeah, there is a lack of pace there. Um, already touched on that a little bit earlier on. There is definitely a a distinct lack of pace there, but I'd argue that Per Mertesacker was one of our best centre-backs, um, over the last decade or so. And, and he didn't have a great deal of pace. But if you've got the right partner next to you and you read the game well enough, I think a lot of the time, don't get me wrong, you will get exposed at times by players who, who turn on the burners. But a lot of the time you can probably get by um, quite well. PW says, is Marie left-footed? Could he play alongside Gabriel? He is left-footed. And it was a little bit strange, wasn't it? Because when Mikel came in, he made it clear that he wanted left-footed centre-backs and now he's gone and got only left-footed centre-backs and it feels like he's got an overload now of left-footed centre-backs. Um, so, you know, how does that work in terms of them playing together? I'm not entirely sure. You've seen plenty of teams do it with two right-footed centre-backs, so I'm not sure why two left-footed centre-backs would be that big of an issue. Kind of changes the way maybe you play out from the back in terms of the patterns of play and how you build your football. Um, but I think it's something you can adapt to and I don't see it as being a massive, massive problem. Um, yeah, uh, interested to see more of Pablo Marie because he he has looked OK at times. Uh, he's looked a bit shaky at times too, but he's not really had a great adaptation period at the Emirates Stadium, has he? Injuries have been a massive issue for him. Um, so, yeah, be interested to see how how he's, he progresses. Um, don't forget, guys, if you haven't already, Make sure you smash that like button. It is so, so important. Let's have a quick check-in on where we're at in terms of likes at the moment. Uh, There's over 180 of you watching us across the multiple platforms right now, but we've only got 28 likes, guys, 29 now. Uh, So come on, please uh, smash the like button if you haven't already. It doesn't cost a thing, Uh, so be sure uh, to do that. ASAP. Right, uh, let's go back to some of your comments. Chris continues the theme on Pablo Marie says, what I liked about Marie is that he's a leader. He was talking throughout the game, but he is slow and that's a big downer. So lots of you expressing your concern about his uh, his lack of pace. Um, I think we're going to have to give him the benefit of the doubt for now, just because we're not exactly blessed with amazing options and see how he goes and see how he adapts to the Premier League, uh, see how he, he reads the game and see how he copes with the, the clear limitation that he has. Uh, Graham says it looked so much tighter with Xhaka and Elneny talking about the midfield. I like Ceballos, but he's a bit all over the place. Yeah, I think in terms of positional discipline, if you're after positional discipline, i.e. two players that are going to sit and protect the back four, and it is important when we play with the back four that those players do that. And it was very important in taking the shackles off of the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe against Chelsea. I think those two are the the two because their positional discipline for all their other faults is, is good. It is there. Um, you know, Granit Xhaka does sit in his position. Mohamed Elneny does do that too. 
And yes, they're limited in other ways in that they've both got issues at, at times and we've both been sort of frowned upon by the fans at certain points. Um, but I'm telling you, my uh, Granite Xhaka voodoo doll, courtesy of Dan Potts, um, is the way forward. Uh, put this next to the TV on the side we were attacking in the first half of the game against Chelsea and bang, Granite Xhaka pulls out a free kick like nothing we've seen from him before. Unbelievable. So Granite, you'll be watching the game with me uh, on Tuesday as well. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, ben Dunn doesn't want to see the Chelsea rejects again, uh, referring to Willian and David Luiz, uh, two players who, um, of course, were unavailable for the game against Chelsea. And we're not sure uh, at the time of recording this whether they'll be available for the trip to Brighton. But as we said earlier on, if the rumours about them being unsettled and unhappy um, and causing sort of divides in the changing room are true, then them not being around is probably a good thing. Uh, Daniel Mortensen says, Evening, Harry. Martinelli's energy has changed everything. Evening to you, mate, wherever it is you are. Uh, it's afternoon here in the UK, but good evening to you. Um, he says, Martinelli's energy has changed everything. Yeah, um, I think you you make a great point. And it is about Gabriel Martinelli's energy rather than anything else. And and I'm, this is not me having a dig at Gabriel Martinelli or having a guy at him. I wouldn't do that because I, I really rate the player. I've always spoken about him as the most exciting talent at the Emirates Stadium or at Highbury or at Arsenal since Cesc Fabregas. Um, I, and I genuinely, genuinely do believe that. But it is an energy thing. It's not because he plays loads of great passes. It's not because... Um, he had loads of attempts at goal the other day. It's not because he was dribbling past players and creating chances left, right and centre. It was literally Gabriel Martinelli setting the tone in terms of work rate, in terms of that press. And that is what he brings to the table or what he has brought to the table since his return. Um, and that's just as powerful, you know, when it breathes through to the other players, it's great. And I love to see it. And um, you know, I'm I'm delighted that Gabriel is is back in the picture. Um, as I said, we do have to w watch his fitness a little bit. We do have to be a little bit careful with him as well. He is very young, can't afford another major setback. Um, but you're right, he, his energy has uh, changed everything, and I would say really set the tone. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, just going to pick up some more of your comments. Daniel also says, smash those likes, lads. Yes, please do, uh, if you haven't done so already. I can see there's a lot of questions about transfers. Um, forget that. We're not going to talk about transfers on this show. We're going to be back today at 5 p.m. for a transfer update stream. We're kicking off our transfer update show, was it, which was incredibly successful during the summer. And obviously the January window is just days away from opening. So we're going to be uh, doing one of those every evening at 5 p.m. So come and join me today for that. Turn on your notifications if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel. That way you'll never miss uh, a show. And I say subscribe to the channel because having a look at some of the the stats yesterday, um, obviously we, we've got over 10,600 of you subscribed on YouTube around about a predicted seven, 8,000 uh, on the audio platforms as well, which is incredible. But on YouTube alone, 46% of you that are watching these videos are not subscribed to the channel. So why the hell not uh, get subscribed in that way? You'll never miss one. Uh, but like I said, yeah, we're not going to talk about transfers. We're going to come 
uh, onto transfers later this evening. So come and join me for that show as well. Um, I know people love a bit of transfer gossip, so looking forward uh, to getting into some of that as well. Um, that's why I'm skipping through some of your transfer-related questions because um, I don't want to. I don't want to discuss them on this one. This is the Brighton preview, and we're going to take some more of your questions that are related to maybe the game and, and other Arsenal issues and the transfer stuff. We'll bring you that later on today. Uh, Benjamin Hayde says, I agree we need to think about rotation, but due to our lack of the form, I think we need to pick the team that played against Chelsea with maybe one or two changes, but we can't underestimate Brighton. Yeah, I, you, you're right. We can't underestimate Brighton. Um, the recent record, which I touched on earlier on in a programme, has shown that we can't afford to underestimate Brighton. They've been a little bit of a bogey team for us. Um in recent times, the fact that they've won three of the six Premier League meetings between the two sides says that. Um, but look, I get your point. I would like in an ideal world to see the same team start, but I just can't see it. I just can't see it. I feel like there are so many issues um, in terms of fitness and conditioning that I just I just think that um, we're, we're going to see Mikel Arteta make changes and and I think a lot of Arsenal fans are going to give him shit for that if the result doesn't go our way but I, I understand why he's going to do it um and I, I genuinely do believe he is going to do it I'd be very surprised if he doesn't uh the Arsenal dream says if Martinelli Smith Rowe and Saka start we can get the win Brighton one Arsenal two fingers crossed mate um Phil Clark says for me you don't change a winning team and it would hurt the players who won against Chelsea um agreed uh, Zissi says, hi, Harry. Hope you beat this cold soon. I would like to think that a forward line of Martinelli, Lacazette, Aubameyang and Saka should have enough for the Brighton defence. Uh, thank you for your well wishes, mate. I am feeling 100% better. Well, 100% is a bit strong. 99% better. I'm getting there. Uh, don't worry. On the mend. Um, Top Techers says, Harry, do you believe the reports? There's a split in the Arsenal dressing room led by the senior players. And you think that's why Lewis and Willian were left out of the squad versus Chelsea? It could be, mate. Um, it could be, but we don't know for sure. And and it's a dangerous kind of road to go down, isn't it? To, to insist that there is this divide, that there is this falling out and there is these major, major problems in the camp right now when we don't know that for certain. Look, we know certain players... Have been unhappy with Mikel. Uh, David Lewis has been one of them at times. Um, David Lewis wears his heart on his sleeve. I don't really have an issue with David Lewis. I have an issue with Willian at the moment uh, because he's broken rules. He's uh, supposedly kicked off behind the scenes, been unhappy with certain things, and he's not performed. And he doesn't even perform like he cares, at least with David Lewis for the most part. He shows that passion and fight and desire to win, um, if nothing else. I, I don't know about this, look, but there, there certainly is enough to suggest that this has this has been the case, and there's certainly no no smoke without fire. So I do think there's probably some discontent behind the scenes. But I'd argue that any club that has senior players who are not playing football regularly will have these kind of issues behind the scenes. Mikel Arteta's inexperience probably makes it a little bit more difficult for him to deal with them, and that has probably been a little bit of a disadvantage to us as a football club. But yeah, I do think it is a bit of a, uh, a bit of a worry. And, and Raheel's question follows in on the, on the same topic. He says, Hey Harry, Merry Christmas. Do you think the exclusion of William and Lewis was because they were sick or is there more to it? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Look, they, they tested negative for COVID, didn't they? Um, according to what Mikel Arteta had to say. So if they were sick, they're better now 
and they did and they've tested negative again, then there's no reason why they should be left out. So I think you'll probably get a bit of an understanding as to what the situation might be, uh, depending on whether they're involved on Tuesday. Uh, but the flip side to that is if they were sick on Saturday, it's not a very quick turnaround, is it? Till from Saturday to Monday, let's say, when they would have been expected to have been past fit. Uh, Talal Ashur says, uh, when Partey returns from injury, what should be the midfield partnership? It's a really good question. Um, obviously, Partey starts, and then I think it depends on the way that Mikel Arteta wants to play further forward. If he wants to play with that attacking midfield player, i.e. Emil Smith-Rowe, then I think El Elneny or Xhaka would be the right answer because of their positional discipline. Um, if you want to press that little bit more, then El Elneny's obviously more suited to that. Um, but I thought that Granit Xhaka showed the other day what he can bring to the side. And I thought he was very, very good. Um, I thought it was very, very good indeed. And I think he deserves a place in the side as a result of that. Um, again, just a quick reminder, not going to go into transfer stuff on this stream because, like I said, we back at 5 p.m. UK time today uh, to discuss transfers. So I'm not ignoring your questions. I will address those later on. So make sure you come and join me at 5 p.m. Get your questions in um, in the live chat. Get them to me on Twitter as well if you prefer to do it in advance or you're not going to be able to join us live. And I will um, I will pick up as many of those as I possibly can. Uh this is Lucas Life says, when is Thomas Partey back from injury? Don't know. Um, don't know. Uh, from what I understand, the club expect him to be available at some point um, in, in January. Um, but there's been no clear indication of a, of a set date. Now, his, his re rehabilitation continues and we constantly get told that he's doing well, but there is no... Uh, specifics in terms of a potential return date um we haven't had any specifics from the club in their updates so we just got to keep patient and hold on but i think but they're expecting him to play some part in january so fingers crossed he's not more than at least three or four weeks away um which would be a massive boost to us of course uh nana says morning everyone from the east morning to you mate uh russ morgan says playing mustafi instead of marie is insane i know mustafi's right footed and he's probably the preferred backup in that area but mustafi has no future yeah i agree with that um i agree with the no future pit uh bit you know he's made it clear that he's going to be going um and you know he's made it clear that he's going to be going and if he is going to be going then that's absolutely fine but you know, on the one hand, I kind of think you shouldn't play him because he's not going to be here and we're trying to build. But on the other hand, you do what is best for the team at this moment in time because we do have a lot of issues. And Mikel is in desperate need of points and results. So he's got to do whatever is best for him to be able to get those results. And if he feels like Mustafi at right centre-back will be a better option than Pablo Marie at the moment, then then that's his decision and that's his choice. But in terms of the future point, I think you're absolutely right. He's not um he's not got a future. Um he's not got a future at Arsenal and um and yeah I expect him to sign some sort of pre contract agreement with a club overseas uh during the next month or so and then um he'll be off at the end of the season for free. Uh, Chris says, Harry, will you do a transfer podcast series throughout January? Absolutely. As I said, it was a massive hit um, during the summer. I actually saw the channel grow from 5,000 to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube alone in the in the space of two months um, off the back of that series. So it's definitely something I'll be doing starting today. We're going to kick it off a little bit early. So 5 p.m. today, come and join me for that one. 
we'll be discussing some of the latest transfer rumours uh, involving the Arsenal and I'll be giving you my thoughts on some of those as well. Uh, let's see what else um, you guys have got to say. John P, what tactics would you play against Brighton? They will have a low block. Um, I think you've got to be cautious against Brighton. I think Brighton have a lot of attacking talent. As I've said repeatedly throughout this programme, I think they're a better side than their league suggests. Their league possessions position suggests um, and their performances suggest. So I, I think that it'll be a difficult one. I think Arsenal could look to hit them on the break. I think Arsenal, you know, will need to assess the game and need to read the game. You know, it, you know, so many things can happen, can change the, the, the approach. You know, you can score early doors and then that changes your approach because you then sit sit that little bit deeper and look to pick your opponent off. If you go a goal down, then the, the onus is on you to take the game to the opponent. So game plans are hard to to you know to stick to to a T as as Jose Mourinho keeps finding out because he goes one nil up tries to stick to a game plan and lo and behold his defense is too fragile to hold on to one nil leads and he ends up cocking it up and that's why Chelsea uh, Tottenham are falling uh, down the table at the moment which I, I I'm delighted to see by the way uh Alan Nodwell says Harry what do we need to do to get more goals from open play which is our biggest problem yeah it is a massive problem um, I think we need to be more aggressive and, and more ambitious in our passing. We need to play more progressive football. We need to move the ball quicker. People need to pick up the ball and drive at opponents as opposed to the sideways passive approach. The confidence needs to be there to do those things, though. And I think that with some of these younger players, you're seeing that confidence, that bravery, um, which is great. Um, and uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's good to see. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Deepesh Makwada says, proper football content. Get subscribing to this fellow. Knows his stuff. Also looks great when he wears his hat backwards. Uh, Dee's been winding me up all week about uh, commenting about my hat backwards. We're in lockdown, mate. I can't go and exactly get a, a fresh haircut, can I? So I've got to protect it. It was either that one today, the, the backwards cap or this. But I figured that with Christmas over... Uh, I'd go with the backwards cap. Maybe I'll comb my hair uh, for uh, for the show later. Maybe tune in. You might find out. You might be lucky. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. Uh, big hello to Gosta. He says, as a Man United fan, I know what you're going through. Personally, I think you need a clear out and your manager is not the right man. You will need to be patient as we have been. Serves you right, though. Arsenal fans took the piss out of us for years. Well, it's your turn to put up with it now. You couldn't resist the dig, could you? You couldn't resist the dig. I thought you were making some great points until you got there. Um, no, no, no football fan that that loves his football team and commits to his football team, not just financially, but in terms of time, in terms of emotional investment, deserves to see their team suffer. Um, you know, I, I, Mikel Arteta might not be the right man, but it's too early to tell. Um, you know, there've been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of doubts about him in, in recent weeks and understandably so. That's always going to happen when the results take a turn for the worst. But, you know, I think he's, uh, I think he, he, he deserves at least until the end of the season. Then we can make a proper assessment. Be interesting to see if the club back him in January. It really, really will um, because that will tell us a lot about where the club are at in terms of their position on Mikel Arteta. Now, I know that publicly they keep giving him that vote of confidence. They keep saying that they're fully behind him. They're fully on board with what he's doing. 
but we heard that about Unai Emery as well. And, and then he was eventually sacked. You know, we, we never heard a bad word about Arsene Wenger. He was essentially pushed out the door. They're not going to come out and say it if they are starting to, be, to worry about what the job that Mikel's doing. Um, but I think you'll understand a lot from whether they go out and back him in January or not. I really do. Um, Colton Simmons says, well done to Arsenal. I'm a Chelsea. That hurts. Take your licks and move on. Um, thank you, mate. Uh, let's see what else uh, we've got here. He says, I should have said I'm a Chelsea fan. I, I gathered that. Uh, I gathered that from the comment. <laughs> uh, let's see. I've blocked a couple of you in the chat for talking absolute bullshit and getting abusive on there. Um, let's see what else uh, we've got here. Uh, Rahil asks what my predicted lineup would be uh, for the game against Brighton. While I answer this question, let me know in the chat where it is that you are joining us from. Love to give you guys a shout out uh, from all the corners of the earth at the moment. Uh, don't forget as well, if you haven't already, please smash that like button on whichever platform it is you're joining us. In particular, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening via the podcast, um, then please do leave us a review as well, a five-star one, of course. But it is so, so important so that, that you do those things to help the channel and the podcast grow. So please uh, do that for me. Uh, what would be your predicted lineup for Brighton Harry? My predicted lineup would be as follows. Burn Leno in goal. Hector Bellerin. Uh, Rob Holding. Oh, this is tough. This is really tough. Pablo Marie. Assuming he's fit enough. Kieran Tierney. Xhaka. Sabayos. Because I, I just feel like he will rotate it. Saka. Martinelli. Aubameyang. Pepe. Yeah, is that 11? Let me quickly run through that again. Leno in goal. Bellerin at right back. Holding and Pablo Marie at centre backs with Kieran Tini at left back, a midfield trio of Granit Xhaka, Danny Ceballos, and oh, do I think Emil Smith Rowe will play? No, I don't. I don't. So I'm going to go Saka there, and then I'm going to go Obamiang. I think Obamiang will come back into the side. I'm going to go Martinelli because he's just made such a big difference, it'll be impossible to leave him out. And then I'm going to go Nicolas Pepe, because I think he's due a start as well. So yeah, that's what I'm going with. It's my predicted lineup, by the way. It's not what I would necessarily be going with. So don't take it that way. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, what else? Uh, Arsenal Granny says, Harry, what do you think of the article on Telegraph and Metro? I haven't read it. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't read a great deal today. So please let me know. Um, drop a link in the comments if you want, and I'll, I'll check it out and let you guys know. Um, I'm going to leave it there on the questions because, uh, as I said, we're going to come back later on today, 5 p.m. today. We're going to be talking about transfers and a lot of these questions are transfer related. So we're going to save that stuff for later. So please come and join us for that. Turn on the notifications if you haven't already. That way you won't miss the program. Let's see where you guys are joining us from. Uh, Rahil is joining us from Luxembourg. Robin is in Sweden. A79 is in Bahrain. Nasco is in Bulgaria. 
Carrie is in Espo, Finland. Uh, Ajinkya is joining us from India. Um, DVV is joining us from the cap- COVID capital, Tier 4 London. Uh, Omar is joining us from New York. 7.32 in the morning. Good morning to you all in New York. Uh, welcome. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you for joining us so early on. Uh, Benjamin is live from Kenya. Um, Sam Nichol says, hope you're recovering well, Harry. I am. Thank you. I feel much better. Uh, all the best. Joining from Australia. What do you think of the links to Brandt? Come back at 5 p.m. and I'll be discussing the links to Brandt uh, in great detail. So really looking forward to, to doing that a little bit later on. Uh, more of you join us from London. Russ joins us from Slough. Uh, what else have we got in terms of your locations? Just before we wrap it up, uh, Tenzin joins us from Delhi. Uh, Lijo joins us from Dubai. USA, Northern Ireland, uh, Brighton, Kenya, Belfast, and Morocco. Brilliant stuff. Thank you all so much for joining me once again for another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share, review, leave a comment, follow 90 Min as well. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Check out the Welcome to World Class series and uh, check out the other podcast as well from the 90 Min Network. I'll be back later on with another stream. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.